Ladies and gentlemen, may I have quiet on the set because today's guest is a fellow filmmaker, writer, producer, pro wrestler, cinematographer. I'm pretty much listing off every profession under the sun because, let's be honest, what profession hasn't he done? Please give it up for my guest this evening, Chris Bevan. How are you doing, buddy? Very well, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. You are very welcome. It's a pleasure to see you as always. So, And i got to say, I'm loving the new haircut. Oh, thank you very much, yeah. I was going for a, um, well, as they call it, the lockdown locks. I want to say about a month and a half ago, I just thought, screw it, took the clippers, off it went. Nah, I mean, uh, it saves you so much money on hair products, that's all I'm saying. It was just a lot less hassle. I I couldn't be bothered with messing about with it or worrying about when I could get a haircut, so I thought, screw it. And now it's just slowly coming back, so... (laughs) <laughs> and also, I'm having the uh, the little problem that us males go through around this time of age, where we start seeing patches. And I'll oh, I saw I saw that when I was twenty. So um, <laughs> mine's just like a beacon for light, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can see you can use you as a lighthouse. Somebody said to me in my um in my muggle job, shall we call it, which is outside of the arts. Look, since you started your shift, people have just started flocking in, and I think, well, it's a sunny day. I'm bald. The light's bouncing off my head, so they must think we're a tanning salon. It's the reflections. It's got to be. Or maybe I'm the new messiah. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't take that boy. out of context, listeners. It's like, I am not. <laughs> also, Go I'd like to just pre-apologize. I have got a little bit of a cold, so if I sound a bit meh, it's because I am. It's not uh, COVID, though. So that's a good thing. <laughs> well, germs can't spread through earphones, so listeners, don't worry. If it is, yeah. then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. The and day we are t- that germs spread through this way is the day that Sky Knight wins. <laughs> I love it. I good. Tell us a little about you, man, because like I said, I just listed off every job under the sun. But even though I was quite accurate, but in your own words, tell us a bit about Bevan. I mean, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I've, I've, I've pretty much done it all. I, I don't really want to say that I've had a career because I haven't really made a career out of it yet. Like you say, we all have muggle jobs or day jobs, if you will. I would probably call myself more a freelance editor and music producer. That's the bulk of what I do at the moment. Previously, I was, um, as you know, into film, so, and I was more on the uh, assistant director directing side. Um, I have, but as you said, I have written, I have produced as well. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've had my fingers in many different pies, as you would say. Didn't you uh, give Russell Crowe a cigarette? I did on the set of Robin Hood. I was an extra in <laughs> all those years ago in Pembrokeshire. Oh, God. And, uh, when yeah. was that? 2007? That's more than a week ago, so my memory is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, with COVID and lockdowns and everything, like one week equals like about 10 years. Yeah, last week feels like a year, so the time portal has shifted a bit, I think, over the last year, and everyone's losing a bit of time awareness. Yeah, I mean, everything's just going into a paradox, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. We all took the red pill. We all took the red pill because we were Maybe just we like... took the blue pill. That's maybe why it happened, and things just got flipped upside down. I mean, have you seen Swansea in the rain? It does look like Zion. <laughs> you could say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Swans fans are just like, yes, I don't you dare insult my town. It's like, I'm from Swansea, <laughs> so I can make these jokes, yeah. people. <laughs> and I did live there for a while, so I can also make the jokes. <laughs> Answer me this one question. Is pro wrestling a form of art? Absolutely. 100%. I think I, I've probably told you this before, but I've always said, uh, if someone asks me, excuse me, 
That's his someone, uh, pro wrestling manager. It's like, don't kill the business. Yeah. Uh, if someone asked me to describe pro wrestling, if they had no idea about it, they had never seen it, they'd never even heard about it, I would say it's like a violent theatre with real-time stunts. It's theatre, there's, there's acting, there's performance, and you get a stunt show, but the actors are the stuntmen too. You know, there's no cut, bring in the stuntman, now you perform that. It's all in yeah. it's live violent stunt theater that's how i call it and which all of which are an art form in themselves exactly you're just telling a story but through the medium of movement and through your bodies exactly exactly there we go so if any of you are thinking now i tuned in for a podcast like of theatricals and film talk and all that sort of stuff and anyone says that pro wrestling isn't a form of art then you heard it from this bastard. And I'm not insulting him. That is part of his gimmick. So I'm not insulting my guests. I do like him, really. <laughs> Before we do actually get into Reject or Recall's main portion of the show, Chris, I like to do a little round of Would You Rather. It's nothing intense. Just a quick fire round of which one you'd rather have right now. Okay. In this moment, would you rather be attending a large-scale concert or a smaller, intimate concert? So there may be a smaller venue. Smaller. I've always preferred those anyway. I find you get a more of a you get more of a connection with the, the artist. Yeah. What would you say is the most memorable concert you've been to? Oof. Now you're asking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's been many. Um, putting another job title under me. Huh? I used to put on <laughs> gigs with a group of friends in Cardiff when I lived there when I was in uni. Mm. Um, I'd probably say a couple of those gigs that. I personally was in charge of the most memorable because you're in charge of it. You, you've, it's ultimately your responsibility for everything to go right. Yeah. So in, in a sense, if you want to put it in film or theater terms, you're kind of a director of the gig. Gigs run very much like film and theater productions. You've got directors, you've got runners, you've got producers, you've got like band liaisons would be a second AD. You know, it's, so it's very, everything is very running down the same road, but just on different yeah. paths. You know. Which way do you rather prefer to travel, train or plane? Um, are we talking like a long distance or a short distance? Because if it's a shorter distance, I'm going to say car because I just <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say like more, more in the terms of like um, long distance, like for holidays and stuff like, like that. Like a different country. Yeah, I'd say so. A uh, plane, definitely. Yeah. I like, I like to get there as quick as I can. <laughs> Yeah. That's fair. This is why um, Welsh government needs to get on the teleportation route because it, that will cure so much travel sickness, in my opinion. Back to the Future or Indiana Jones? Back to the Future is my favourite film of all time. So fair. I'd feel like I'd been cheating on myself if I didn't say Back to the Future. <laughs> I'm very keen to see what the Back to the Future musical is going to be like. Me too. I'm. I did. I think they were planning it for June of last year or July of last year. I think originally. Yes. Obviously, that didn't go ahead. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen any more updates about it. But um, I am very much excited to go to see it and to see how it goes. A curry or a Chinese takeaway? Ooh. <laughs> oh. Now, that's a difficult one. So you mean like as in... Indian, Indian. Uh, cuisine. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to have to say Chinese takeaway. Not so much because I prefer it, but mm. more because uh, Indian uses a lot of uh, dairy and I'm lactose intolerant. So Ah, of course. So when I do have an Indian, I have to make sure that my day 
the next day is clear of anything, so I can yeah. have a day. <laughs> but uh, Chinese oh. is usually not much too much uh, lactose or dairy, so we're good. But I'd say if I had to choose, it would be a Chinese just because of that reason. But I do love them both. Tea or coffee? Coffee, 100%. Nice. And last question, going back to wrestling roots, NXT or AEW? Uh, now, if you would have asked me this six months ago, I would have said NXT. because I, oh, okay. I don't tend to watch too much of the main roster, shall we say, like yeah. Raw, SmackDown, or anything like that. I, I, I would usually just watch NXT and NXT UK. But saying that, I found their products have gone downhill a bit. So mm. I'd probably say AEW right now, even though I'm not big on them either. I would yeah. prefer them over NXT right now. They have a dinosaur that wrestles. I'm just going to leave <laughs> that for any non-wrestling fans and listeners out there just thinking, what? Just look up Luchasaurus, then you'll I understand. Gonna, I was going to say, we're not even talking about Chris Jericho either. It's, Lucha, it's an actual <laughs> dinosaur that wrestles. <laughs> you just made the list! I haven't really watched wrestling properly since the pandemic. I found mm. watching it without a crowd has seriously affected how I enjoy it, which I never expected. Yeah. We never knew that what to expect with the pandemic and how shows were going to go ahead and that kind of thing. But now that we have, I mean, the Thunderdome and everything they're doing with that and with putting the odd few people in the crowd, like AEW have like what two, three hundred people in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. that helps a lot, mm. which is why I think I prefer watching that right now. But before they had the Thunderdome and it was purely nothing, like not even oh, the yeah. sounds. It was yeah, silence. The silence it, was definitely to me. It felt like you were watching a dress rehearsal. Yes, very much. Yeah, this feels like I'm crapping on the performers. Right no, now, no, no. I, of course, I don't mean it in this way, but. It felt like because they didn't have a crowd, they didn't feel pressured enough to put on their best performance. Does, does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't some of it wasn't live either, so they knew that if they made a mistake, it was going to get edited and they could redo it. So to me, yeah. it felt very much like a watered down product. So I can, that's mm-hmm. I've kind of gone off modern, if you want to call it modern wrestling right now. I've been any wrestling I've been watching has been before the pandemic with live live crowds. You know, I think people underestimate how much having the crowd there affects your viewing experience. I remember when we went to watch Attack Wrestling in Cardiff and the, like the amount of people there we were just having conversations with, chatting yeah. to, like too sweet in every now and again. It was just like, that was nice. It yeah. just felt like a nice community and that's how wrestling should be in my opinion. Absolutely, 100%. For those of you who are just tuning in for the very first time, I myself, your host, and my guest at this time, Chris Bevan, will be on a metaphorical audition panel. We will be deciding whether Chris's pet peeves get rejected or recalled from the industry. And of course, as we've stated, Chris, you have worked in various different forms within art and entertainment. What is the first thing that is auditioning for us, and why do you want to reject it so much? Okay, my first thing would be unnecessary remakes slash reboots rejected next <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i've got here in in brackets total recall is probably one of my biggest examples was it colin farrell yes yeah now i'm a huge fan of arnold schwarzenegger in general and i'm mm-hmm. obviously a big fan of the original total recall 
handball, yeah. Verhoeven, all of that. So the original Total Recall is like this in like my top fifteen or ten films. I love it. So when yeah. I saw that they were making a re well, they word it very, very carefully, I notice. They rather than say reboot or remake, they say a re or a new version or a new vision of and it's like that's just marketing terms for you're just trying to make some money. <laughs> like yeah. It, at um, the end of the day, it's the same plot. It's the same script. It's like trying to make gold, uh, the same amount of carrot of gold every single time. It's always going to be different. And mm. Total Recall, I watched it, hated it. <laughs> and I was like, that, that was just completely... <laughs> it didn't add anything to the aura of the original. If it adds something to the aura of the original, absolutely, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But another example I came up with was... Uh, all the different Spider-Man. Now, I know that's going to be quite controversial because I know a lot of people are, are in love with Spider-Man, of course, myself included. Tom Holland does a very good job of playing the role, and I will make a point in a bit, but uh, please go on. The latest ones, I love them. Like, don't get me wrong. I really, really, really love them as films, standalone films. Hmm. Um, I suppose the issue that I'm coming up with on this one is with how quickly they recast remade the story obviously i know there was a lot of red tape with the rights with marvel and with uh, sony and all of that mm. but i found with how quickly they went from the toby Maguire spider-man films to is it andrew garfield andrew garfield yeah like the time between them seemed like in hollywood terms it felt like a couple of weeks to me that was kind of just them wanting just to milk more of the cash cow which of course it's hollywood is going to happen it's just too much to in such a small amount of time you know yeah i think they would have skipped like completely skipped over the andrew garfield ones and went straight to the marvel tom holland spider-man yeah. that would have been totally fine because it's again as i said it's adding on to the aura of the originals because there's obviously now talk about all of them coming together in the multiverse with Doctor mm. Strange and all that. So it works. But yeah, I wasn't a big, I'm not a big fan of unnecessary reboots slash remakes. That's like, I suppose that's the title of this reject. Is I think the reason we see a lot of like, especially with licensed films like characters, whether it be like comic book characters, book characters, or fictional characters from like a very popular license for example is i think it has something to do with the rights expiring so it's like did you see the new fantastic four that fox did a couple of years ago i didn't watch it no well you're saving yourself a lot of sanity so please <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> <Yeah. I did. laughs> but the, the thing is like i think the reason these companies are trying to remake films or reboot it is so that then the licenses um renew Okay, I get you, yeah. But again, it doesn't mean that you should reboot it just for the sake of rebooting it. I am a firm believer that every artist is going to have a different take on anything. It's like we could look at a painting now and we would get a completely different vibe of it. And it could literally just be a spot in the middle of a blank canvas and be like, oh, what does that represent? Oh, that represents this. Oh, actually, I thought of this. It's like, yeah, that's cool. I feel like I'll get a lot of hate for saying this is like the Disney remakes. I mentioned this on my episode with Jamie Brown. It's just unnecessary because there's nothing new added to those characters. Yeah. Or even yeah. if there is like the new points are quickly glanced over. It's like, Oh, quick, go back to the original plot. It's like, you had a good idea. Why not expand on that? There is a part of the, of Disney and the exact producers that do want to tap into people's nostalgia. I understand mm. that. 
But at the end of the day, they're there to make money and they're there to make as much money as possible. It's kind of like recently with this, uh, like, I don't know if you follow football much, but with this new super European league and all the big top teams were joining and it was all because of money. And it's kind of similar with that. It's like when too much money gets involved, the art is taken, is sacrificed the creative process is thrown out the window because like you could just put this blank canvas and people are just going to latch onto it. That's why I think a lot of independent films get overlooked is because there's nothing recognizable on face value. We could be talking about a film that's like this amazing plot or this wonderful actor or actress and it's something worth seeing and it will be timeless but not many people know about it. But then the exact same week that comes out, something like a Smurfs film will come out. No matter what you think about Smurfs, instantly, as I say those words, you think, oh, I know what the Smurfs are. And I think that is what a lot of people and what a lot of these producers and what these big companies are like, what you're saying, grasping at straws for nostalgia because they know it's going to get bums in seats. Take Batman and Joker, for example. There have been loads of different iterations of those characters tackling different stances different dynamics and that is what i like if you try and watch michael keaton's batman with tim burton jack nicholson you get a very different vibe from christopher nolan's dark knight with Heath Ledger on christian Bale. yeah definitely on the flip side of the coin joker with joaquin phoenix obviously i wouldn't call it a remake per se or a reboot well it's always a reboot but it's another joker film when there's been many films that Hmm. have joker in it on the other side of what i've said that to me is showing joker in a completely different way it's putting yes completely different stories giving the character a different arc i always said as well if that film didn't have anything to do with the word joker gotham city batman or anything like that bruce wayne if none of that was in that film that would still hold together as such a really amazing piece of art like yes. the way it portrays mental health and all of that kind of thing it just so happens that you know they wrote it around the joker arc yeah on the flip side there are reboots that do work because they yeah. add to what a character or an arc can become mm. you know? again going back to the jamie brown episode i mentioned about vince vaughn's uh, 90s remake mm. of psycho it's yeah. like who in their right mind thought you know what i need to do I'm just quoting Jamie on this now. It's like, who who in their right mind thought, I need to do a shot-for-shot remake of this all-time classic, and you know it would be perfect for Norman Bates? Vince Vaughn. Why are people going to flock to this? Because it's in colour. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, when because I, I was listening to that episode a few days ago, and when you were mentioning it, what popped straight into my head was, actually, maybe they... They knew what they were doing with that casting. Maybe they thought this casting of Vince Vaughn is so out there and crazy. People mm-hmm. are going to turn up to see, holy crap, Vince Vaughn is doing this. Let's go see if what he can do. That mm-hmm. might have yeah. been the that might, that might That might have been the rhyme or wrong. Yeah, so that's yeah. a very good point. It's a good marketing strategy because it makes you go, what? Re- really? I, I need to it's, see this. It's like when they first cast Heath Ledger as Joker. If you mm. remember, every media outlet, Heath Ledger, what? How the that hell guy from Ten Things I Hate About You? Oh he my god! Joker, come on, he's a teen heartthrob. And then look what happened. You know, so it's I find a lot of studios are relying on that as well now of going so out of the box with casting that people think, come on, really? And then it turns. Sometimes it turns into gold. Sometimes it turns into crap. Yep, but you know, but give it a chance. 
yeah. on the previous episodes um, that I did with Matthew Boole. He like literally he said about toxic fandoms and that way that people are just like instantly they see an actor that they don't think is right for the role. They will try and boycott it or slander oh. or even death threat. It's like, come on, guys. Really? You know what? I didn't have toxic fandoms on my list for reject, but I want to put it on there because I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus one. And it goes down with the unnecessary reboots yeah. and remakes. Uh-huh. Like you said, if it's tackling something completely different, like what we um said about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker film, absolutely fantastic because it's tried doing something that hasn't been tackled before. Yeah. But when it's just a paint-by-numbers remake for the sake of being a remake and just to think, oh, we're going to make money. We're just going to do this to sell toys or whatever and all that. Pointless rejects. Pointless rejects? This is a pointless reject, but it means so much to me, damn it. (laughs) But that totally gets rejected. So if you are a filmmaker out there, it's okay to take a different approach to an already established piece of art or fiction, but think outside the box. Think of something new. My next one is there's more people that are actually involved in the industry as in especially freelance so people that aren't really involved in the industry they might not get this too much but as a freelance editor slash filmmaker if you will slash music producer yeah yeah when clients expectations are way too high and they expect it straight away or they they don't appreciate the time and effort it takes to make something that they want or is as good as they need type of thing. I think that needs to go straight away. As as soon as you started saying that, my instant thought was like to independent painters and artists and all that, mm-hmm. because like so many of my friends have had this sort of thing where it's like, oh, they've had someone come up to them. Oh, can you draw me or something or this, um, draw this, this and this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, um, it'll cost you X, Y, Z or whatever. It's like, Oh my God, that much for a drawing. Yeah, but you've got to think about like the pens that I have to buy. You have to think about the papers that's used, the amount of time it's taken out of my day. And then the people will turn around and say, yeah, but drawing's easy. <laughs> do, it, do it your fucking self, mate. Yeah, a good example. I, obviously, I won't name names. A good example no. is I was working for a, I don't know what you'd call them. They're a company that uh, advertises and markets campsites and for holidays, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, they had they had an animated video, a load of animations that they wanted made into a video to mm-hmm. market. So then they came to me. I was like, "Yeah, no problem. I can do this. I can do that." But I mean, inside, I was thinking, "Why didn't your animator edit them yourself?" But all right, whatever. Doesn't matter. It means I get a payday. So yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, that's fine. I can do this. I can do that. Blah blah blah. It'll take this long. This is how much it will be." Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong. They were they were fine people. And I ended up doing the job for them. But the first message back was, okay, but can you do it for this amount? And when I say this amount, I'm talking at least 65% cheaper than what I quoted them. Oh, my God. And it's like, no, don't get me wrong. I understand negotiation. I understand haggling. I've been there. I do it myself. But Mm -hmm. over half of what I quote, that's taken the piss, you know? That's mental. as you said, the price that I'm quoting isn't just for me doing the job. It's for my equipment. It's for the programs I have bought. It's mm-hmm. for the computers I use. It's for the upkeep and the maintenance of my equipment. And most importantly, and I cannot stress this enough, and I tell this a lot to um, talk about this a bit later on, but when I was yeah, teaching, yeah, of teaching kids in America, and I was telling them about the most important thing that you can put value on is your time. 
you have a life and you should have a personal life and you should have a business life and they should have equal if not more time towards your personal life because everyone's human everyone has their own life and everyone should have their own life there shouldn't be constant work 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 you shouldn't be living mm. to work you should be working to live that's how yes. i see it and that's the most uh, value i have is on my time so i sent them back a very detailed spreadsheet about exactly how long each section would take what i'm exactly what i'm doing and how many minutes it would take and mm how much it would cost per that minute. And I added it up and it all came to what pretty much exactly what I quoted them, which I think it was like, actually, I think it was a couple of quid under. And I even said, if you're that thing about it, I will do it for that couple of quid under price. <laughs> a couple of quid off compared to like what you say, it's 65% much cheaper. It's We're like talking now. hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So, and um, it took a few days, but I did get a reply back and to be fair to them, they were like, okay, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, we did want to negotiate, but we understand now that you've made it clear, you know, because these people, they never worked with anyone in this industry before. They'd never done uh, video or photography or anything. They always relied on print and right. uh, radio, radio advertising. Hmm. So it was their first time in the uh, video in, and uh, animation industry. They were just an experience. That's all it was. And they were expecting, I think they were expecting me to just be this person who would be like, I'll give you, do it for this price. Oh, okay. Well, but will you do it for this price 65% cheaper? And yeah, okay. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Especially. This is on Facebook marketplace where you could just haggle yeah. with like, um, with like memorabilia. It's like, oh, you want 20 quid for that? Oh, I'll give you 10. All right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a, an industry where, like you said, you can't just. I mean, you can do it, but people shouldn't. You shouldn't. That's another thing. I suppose you could add it onto this one that can be rejected is people working for free. Don't do mm. it. It ruins the industry, especially freelance. It ruins the industry for everyone else. What Even about if, student films? Um, student films, they can come under a different umbrella. Now, because student films aren't technically classed as working professional it's more yeah it's an educational environment yeah. if anything now don't get me wrong i like in my student films i i made two of them and i didn't pay my actors or crew a wage for what they were doing per se but i paid for the travel two of the actors had to stay overnight i paid for their accommodation mm. i paid for the three meals a day for them and there was a yeah. five day shoot they were taken care of in that way mm. Whereas I have seen student productions where they haven't given them anything. I mean, don't work for absolutely nothing. Oh, no. So if you are a student and you are being offered, say, I don't know, a week as a camera assistant and they're not going to pay you, if you're not getting an actual wage, but they're willing to pay your accommodation and your travel fees and your food, that's fine. But still try and get paid for it. You know, still yeah, try. Yeah, exactly. Pay. It's yeah, like yeah. saying, oh, if you've got a perpetual in your car or pay for train tickets to get to a certain location it's like oh yeah i'll do this it's like but you're, you're going to be out of pocket then yeah and then yeah. you're not going to be able to pay to support yourself to yeah. live or carry on doing the thing and, that you enjoy doing it like for a, a living let's say and and at the end of the day it hurts the industry because the big wigs at the top are going to keep taking advantage of everyone doing that you know and it's the same for wrestling pro wrestling it happens in that industry too you know new trainees or 
you know new graduates of an academy will come out and you know they're fresh and they might be a little bit naive or they they, they don't know i've been there you've been there yeah and you'll get entirely you know you'll get a promoter who will message you saying oh do you want to do this show oh, i can't pay you though but because you want the experience a lot of people will think hmm, should i do this don't do it Even no. as, as tempting as it is this is all i can say this is another thing i told the kids that i was teaching do not work for free your like i said your time is worth something whether it's mm. two pound an hour whether it's yeah. 10 pounds 200 pound your time is worth something your time is not worth nothing so that's the biggest thing i can give to anyone if anyone mm. wants any advice from me that is going back to heath ledger in the dark knight if you're good at something never do it for free you gotta think if you're traveling five hours for a short film or a wrestling show or any sort of gig and you're not even getting your petrol paid for exactly. that's a red flag and it goes back to the uh, wage that a lot of people seem to think pays the bills is exposure everyone thinks exposure pays your bills <laughs> you always get those messages oh, i can't pay you but it'll be good exposure you're telling me that I can afford to go to Disney World of exposure. How much exposure is a, a tin of beans? Hmm. You know, it, there's no there's no cash value on exposure. Yeah. And it's just a classic taking advantage of message that a lot of students get, especially, is can't pay you, but you'll get a lot of exposure. It's like, as soon as you see that sentence, run away, straight away. Yeah, again, don't be a wet blanket, as my best friend always says. Like, literally... Your time is valuable. Don't be a mug. We won't pay you. You're doing it just for exposure. All this crap. Down the trap door. Goofy, yeah. hit me off. Bye-bye. <laughs> Technically, that makes us fourth out of two because of, like, the bonus points. Yeah. So, yeah, Matt, oh, my God, I've Dave melted it. It's a seven out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, what is going to be the third point for us, Chris? What audition has walked into our audition room today? And what has it done that infuriates you and probably infuriates others? I'm going to say the idea that you need to have loads of qualifications, a big fancy degree, really expensive equipment to make not just a film anything whether it's a film a play mm. piece of music uh yeah. a painting you don't need any of that no none at all elitist idea that you do need that needs to go out the window because it's mm. been proven many times many times over and over and over that none of that means crap yeah when you think about some of the biggest filmmakers for example christopher nolan he doesn't have a degree. He never no. went to film school. I think Spielberg went for half of his college degree, I think, and then dropped out because he was like, screw it, I'm just going to make films. Yeah. You don't need them. I will relate this perfectly from an actor's perspective is the old traditional thing. If you don't go to drama college, you won't have a career. Yeah. But then people have this perception. It's like, oh, if I go to drama college, I'm going to be in the top 2%. I'm going to be hired by everyone. I'm never going to have to do anything else other than acting. It's like, no, that doesn't mean anything. I know loads of acting graduates who have come from RADA, Guildford, Royal Welsh, like the biggest drama institutions who have done nothing. Absolutely. Be a working actor. Be a working editor or anything that is that. But don't think that you can't do it because... I haven't got the right equipment or qualifications. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see so many people putting across the idea, you know, like, all right, I'd love to make this. I have an idea for a film and I'd love to make it. I just, I don't have the cameras or I don't have the editing equipment. Like, These Mm. days you can make a film on your phone. Yes. You can shoot and edit a five minute film on your phone and upload it from your phone. And it's done. The power, shall we say, has been taken away from, you know, the bigwigs in Hollywood and all of that. And they used to hold the power over everyone's thinking, if you want to make your idea become a reality, you've got to go through us. Uh, And that's the thing, like with all these film festivals that, well, obviously pre-pandemic and everything that were available at people's disposal, there were like literally like categories, films made under a certain budget or like literally, oh, is it an online thing or... And actually, people are getting more recognized for little skits that they do in their own time. It's like, if you look at somebody like, I'm trying to think of like um, top YouTubers or like sketch artists and stuff like that. Do you think a lot of them have like degrees or? No. no, Exactly. No, Um, they do it because they enjoy it. Yeah. A a good example I think I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Ricky Tomlinson, who's in the Royal Family. Yes. He started acting, I think he was in his 40s or 50s. He's been in prison for, he was involved in the strikes, for the minor strikes in the 80s. And, right. And um, he was, and he's come out of prison, just decided one day, do you know what? I've always wanted to try acting. I'm going to give it a go. Walked into an agent's office one day and said, I want to be an actor. Agent mm. said, all right, show me what you could do. Gave him a random script. I think, and funnily enough, the script turned out to be um, an audition script for, not Snatcher, Lockstock or something like that. Oh, yeah. We ended up just reading lines from that. Oh. And uh, the agent was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take you on. And within, I think, five years, he was on the royal family. So it yeah. just shows you what happens when you just think, you just put your mind to stuff, what you said about YouTube and stuff. And like when we were making Offworld, I came on board to Offworld a little bit later on. Originally, it was uh, Terry Cooper, the director and co-writer, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam Neal, who's the associate producer. I think you know him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skybot. Yes. Originally, their plan was to make, I think, like a 10, 15-minute at the most film, short film that they were just going to put on YouTube. And like most films that are just put on YouTube, they've forgotten about. You know, they're just oh, yeah. on there. You know, one might blow up and then might get viral. But yeah. That was their original plan. And the more they went through it, the more that they were talking about it, and the more people they brought on board, the more they thought, you know what, screw this. Let's just make a feature film. Like, what is actually stopping us? And you think about it, nothing is stopping you. If To do what you want to do, you've just mm-hmm. got to push that a little bit harder. You've got to go beyond the boundaries that you, you have preconceptions in your mind of. I came on about a year into it once they'd um, done a lot of pre-production and they'd written a script. We were just getting into the Kickstarter campaign because that's how we funded it. And as soon as we started getting into the Kickstarter and we started really pushing the promotion of it, the marketing, we were going to all the comic cons and all of those type of things. We'd always have a booth somewhere with off-world stuff. We had the actors there we, in costume. Uh, Amy mm. from Sticky in Newport. Yes. Give her a shout-out. She made everything for off-world, and they did, uh, Amy and Stu, they did fantastic with it. So we had... Also, prop- Prince, a uh, very nice Bastard Sun t-shirt, I must say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she did my t-shirts too. Yeah, great. <laughs> but yeah, we had props, we had costumes, we had everything that you would see in the film. Hmm. So we were doing a hell of a job on promoting. 
And because of that, we had the press got involved. We had Wales Online talk to us. We had the Telegraph, you know, many different online papers and it became a thing. Like once Buzz starts, you can't really stop it, which is good. Oh. I think originally we asked for £2,500 because we knew if we didn't make what we asked for, we wouldn't get anything at all. Yeah. So we thought we'll put a low, a low budget. So at least if we only just make it, at least we'll have two and a half grand to do something with, you know. And we ended mm-hmm. up getting over 10,000, which is all because of how we just thought, no, we're not settling for a 10 minute short film that we're just going to put on YouTube. We're not settling for just a film that's just going to be forgotten. We want to make a feature length sci fi independent film made in Wales and get it in cinemas and get it out there. Yeah, and we've done it. And yeah, it's obviously because of everything that's happened with COVID and many, many, many different delays. Um, mm. Still not out yet, but we're so close. It hurts. It it's, really does. It's like literally you're just reaching out and it's on the tips of your fingers, but it just yeah. keeps narrowly sliding away. Ugh. And it's honestly so close that it, it is really painful inside to feel how close it is. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things, you know, we've obviously got delayed because of COVID. Of course. Um, the edit is done. We're literally just waiting for the sound mix to be done. But obviously, because our sound mixer couldn't go into the studio in London to mix the film because of COVID mm. for basically a whole year. It's just yeah. been sat there on the shelf an hour. We've got distributors in, in the US who are going to distribute for us. Mm-hmm. And they've been so unbelievably supportive with because of the delays, you know, and they understand they're in the same boat over there. In America, yeah, of so. course. It's not like it's just um, one thing associated with the UK. The whole world's on lockdown, people. Yeah. You know, it's not as if we just sat here going, oh, do you know what? I can't be bothered to do off world today. I'm going to leave it for a year. It's like, no, of course not. <laughs> it's trying. like that with loads of films. Like you see like going on like Facebook and Twitter and all that. How many times do you see something for a film oh this casting has been announced for this um licensed film or mm. there's delays or there's script writers that walk out or this thing happens and they've talked about remaking the crow which uh, starred brandon lee for donkey's years yeah long but time. there's always something that's just like someone leaves or something falls through and that's just the way it works like there are going to be hurdles in this business yeah. the first spider-man that was in the works since like 1991 or something like that and it was yeah. on the shelf until, until it came out. And it was always because they couldn't get the rights or an actor mm-hmm. wouldn't sign up or some or a director yeah. left or something like that, you know. Peter Jackson so, with Lords of the Rings. Like, yeah. it took him years to even just find yeah. somebody who would let him make the film. They said, oh, we want you to do this. No, I'm not doing that. It's like, oh, well, we want this amount of films or this things. Or the more um, perseverance you have and the more... It's a long haul as a filmmaker myself. How great is it to finally see uh, something done i find when you're involved with writing it too just to see the words that you've written like a year or two and possibly even 10 years before as yeah. an idea be on the screen and being spoken by actors that you had in mind doing it yeah it's like, there's not many better feelings than that i find it great me and my um friend mark we have been talking about this idea for donkey's years and it's basically like our version of the defenders, you know, like Punisher, not Punisher, Daredevil, Luke Cage, yeah. Jessica Jones, all that sort of stuff, but a UK version of it. And we've had this idea for years. I've been talking about it since I graduated in 2015, 2014. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, nothing's happened with it. 
because like you say, life just gets in the way things happen. And there's just like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, actually we need to do that. But just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it will never happen. Absolutely. hundred percent. Like another guy, Edgar Wright, he fought for Shaun of the Dead for, I think, over 10 years. It just so happens it was the perfect timing to do it when they did it. You know, yeah. the space just about getting getting a bit of popularity. And so that was the perfect time for him. And um, who's the guy that made Clerks? Uh, oh, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. He's another one who, mm-hmm. if you want to say, he's made like commercial films, but I still, I still count him as an independent director because mm. he doesn't waver on anything. If he goes into a studio, a big studio, say Universal, for example, with a script and an idea, he says, this is what I want to make. This is how much it's going to cost. This is my terms. Yeah. Off he goes. He doesn't take any, any, he doesn't waver on any terms. He says, this is the way we're making it or we're not making it at all. And I love him for that. If any of you have seen the film Clerks, or if you haven't, I should say, go watch it. It's a great film and a black and white film. Do you know why it was filmed in black and white? Um, I, I'm sure I've heard, but you're going to have to remind me. It was basically because like, they could only film in the shop when it was closed during oh, the yeah. nighttime. So like, during if it time, was yeah. done in, uh, it wouldn't make any sense. So, and obviously it was a lot cheaper to film on a black and white camera, yeah. but yeah. again, he worked around it. Yeah, exactly. And, wave around. and it and added to the whole vibe of the film. Yeah, definitely. And like going on to that with Offworld, like there was many things we had to change up on the fly because we realized just, oh, well, this just isn't going to work. So we'd mm. have to write the script around that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and because where we filmed, we were filming in uh, Park Penalta in Ushermanach, and it, obviously it's a public park. We can't stop people walking through there. But the council were nice enough to let us film there for five days on the trot. <clears throat> and we had to film, well, we basically filmed the bulk of a feature film in five days, which is like, absolutely unheard of. My eyes just widen at that revelation. I'm like, we were going to put in for Guinness World Records for that, but we we uh, we found out not long after that someone had had shot a 90 minute film in three days. So I mean, gra- granted, it was only two locations and like two actors, but still, I think ours was a little bit more of an impressive feat. Of what yeah, did. I was gonna say like um the story you were doing and like um the locations it required. Yeah, fair play. So you know, with an ensemble cast and basically, you know, it's a sci-fi film with spaceships and an alien planet. You know, the the fact that we managed to do that in five days with basically no budget. Because let's be honest, ten thousand pound. Well, yeah, it wasn't actually ten thousand pound because Kickstarter took their fee from it, of course. So it was actually less than that. The but, money grabbing bastards. Yeah, but like <laughs> the here. It's, it's unheard of to shoot an independent feature film on just under £10,000. That's basically no budget. I think we, yeah, Terry Cooper, the director, said many times in, in his press interviews, it's actually a no-budget or a low-budget independent film is regarded as minimum million and a half. Mm. That's what's considered low-budget in the UK. So <laughs> you can imagine what our measly 10 grand came up as. I've forgotten what we were originally talking about. We were- <laughs> the, point, the point is like this whole mentality of that you can't do oh, it because yeah. we don't have the right equipment. This whole elitist attitude is like if you don't have certain equipment, 
certain budgets or certain things or the ability, not the ability, because everyone has the ability to make something. It's just like yeah. putting your mind to something. It is yeah. all bollocks. Like, guys, honestly, phones are literally your best friend when it comes to making. If you want to record a video, it is literally just unlock the phone, record films in full HD. Honestly, yeah. sometimes even better than these big quality yeah. cameras. My Go phone on. records 4K and it's like... Exactly. You know, I could shoot... I mean, I think it only does like three minutes at a time, but you can do many different takes of that. And I can shoot an, a 10-minute 4K film on my phone and edit it and upload it within probably 10 hours. Exactly. crazy when you think about it. <laughs> There's a uh, photographer, an actor I know based in Swansea, who Richard's photography. Little plug for you, Hugh, if you're listening. Thanks. <laughs> we were chatting. He said he'd spent so much money on like this brand new like camera with loads of different lenses, proper fancy camera. But then he said to me, it's like, I wish I um, got my phone first because yeah. the specs are just way better. Absolutely. My phone, like, of all the cameras I've had like throughout my life, and I've had a lot, my phone is the better one I've ever had. It's, it's insane. When you think <laughs> about it. But that's another thing, I suppose. I used to do um, wedding videos freelance. Mm -hmm. the odd one or two i didn't do loads because it's very stressful so stressful. it's just extra pocket money as they say isn't it? yeah yeah so i did a few wedding videos anyway one wedding i turned up i had a um, canon dslr but i had like extra lenses i had a shoulder mount i had loads of cool looking kit you know mm. to the to someone that doesn't know anything about cameras you'd look at it and you go oh that looks cool that looks expensive it looks you know intricate yeah so I turned up with that. Everyone was really impressed. Everyone was like, that looks really professional. Another wedding, I just got a phone that did better than that camera. So I was like, do you know what? Screw it. I'm going to shoot on my phone. Nice. So I turned up with, the phone, with my phone. with a, It had a mount and a few yep. different gadgets on it. And then I heard whispers of people saying, why is that guy charging so much? He's only got a phone. You if see it, if it I mean? was on a Nokia brick phone, then yes, okay, I'd understand. But so you see what I mean about the preconceptions about that? The people that got married, I can't, when I sent them the finished product, they were absolutely blown away. And mm. I was like, and I actually did this as an experiment. I said, right, just out of curiosity, I sent them theirs, and then I sent them the one, the previous one I did on the, the Canon. There's no wrong answer here, but just your opinion. Which one do you prefer? Which one do you think looks better? Which one do you think has the more aesthetically pleasing look to it? Yeah. And they chose the phone. I didn't mm. tell them that one was theirs and the Canon one was someone else's. I just said, which one? And that just proves that you don't need something that looks impressive or yeah. expensive to do a good job. You know. So the snobbery and this hierarchy thing or this elitist attitude that if you don't have this, this, and this, you can't do it, that gets rejected instantly. Guys, mm -hmm. if you have an idea, and again, like this is why I love doing this podcast because I literally talking to people like you and previous guests, it's like thinking, you know what? I've got these ideas. I've got like equipment to some standard and might be better than some standards. So I don't know, but you know what? I've got something. Let's just right. fucking do it. So it's if it fails, right. it fails, isn't it? So, but yeah, and elitists, you're going away. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. And these days as well, in this day and age, you can literally learn anything you want on the internet. Like yep. if you want to learn to write a script, go to YouTube, script writing 101. There's thousands of videos. <laughs> if you want to learn how to use a camera, go onto YouTube. It will show you how to do that. If you want to learn how to edit, 
based and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. It will literally you can literally learn anything these days. Yeah. And it's all out there. How to make a podcast? YouTube teaches you everything about audacity. It's it's perfect. You know, you don't have to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds for these courses just for the those little letters at the end of your name. That at the end of the day, let's be honest, no one gives a shit about. Every job I've ever gotten in the industry, and I'm not exaggerating, not a single one of them has asked for a proof of my degree. It's just they a thing care. on your CV. Oh, tell me about your degree and where you studied. Not one person has asked me that. <laughs> so it means nothing. It really does mean nothing. It's just exactly. a very expensive piece of paper hanging on my wall right now. And I can't even find mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much it means. We have talked for quite some time, but I am enjoying myself so much, and I hope the audience is enjoying. And if you're not, tough. This is my show. I make the rules, so deal with it. <laughs> I am the promoter. <laughs> then someone comes on, it's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, I'm not. And it is the 10th episode of the Reject or Recall oh, wow. podcast. Oh, thanks, man. To all of the five listeners, and including us too, thank you. <laughs> but would you please give us one little encore to send us out for the Reject or Recall podcast? What is this auditionee, and what has it done that infuriates you so much? Okay, now this one is going to be a little bit more niche. As you were saying on the podcast with Jamie, apologies mm-hmm. for making it more wrestling-based. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we're both wrestling. It's a form of art, and we both love it. So, you know what? And there is something in there, so... Right, this one is now. This is an insider term, so we might have to explain it. But carny yeah. promoting slash mm-hmm. promotions. So when what I mean by carny is time <laughs> for backstory. <laughs> this is the time for go and make your tea if you are not interested. But, so <laughs> yeah. Wrestling started off in the carnivals, uh, the traveling carnivals, and uh, that's where the term carny comes from. In wrestling, being called carny is sort of would you say it's an insult? It's more derogatory, I'd say. Yeah, it's more often associated with like the non-professional standards of like yeah. a promotion, like they like cheap tactics or like cheating people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Promoters that basically don't care about safety, you know, the safeguarding of their technically employees while the wrestlers yeah. are working for them, because they are mm. technically employed by them at the time. The word professional in professional wrestling is being forgotten and obviously speaking out has been a big part of a lot of that going away which yeah. is good because there was too too much of it there's too much of if anyone's a wrestling fan of the indie uk scene you'll know what i'm talking about so there was like i heard a story about one promoter who would take female talent from from overseas and want to book them and rather than pay for accommodation for them, you would have them stay in their house. Now, sometimes that can be perfectly innocent and fine. This guy, he didn't he didn't have a door on the room that the female talent was oh, staying. Oh, dear. Just, it's, it's little things like that, you know. It's 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 so simple, yet Maybe so... he was working too much for exposure, he couldn't afford a door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, how many exposures to get you a door? If you work for extra exposure, that's when you get that handle. Handles oh. extra. And if you work for just a bit more, you can afford a lock. Perfect. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's little things like that. That stuff needs to get in the bin right now. And thankfully, as I said, because of speaking out, a lot of that's going away. Yeah. Um, there used to be stories of promoters, you know, wrestlers turning up, doing their job. At the end of the show, they'd go to the promoter and say, hi, thank you very much for the, for the opportunity. 
mm-hmm. can I have my pay, please? And they'd say, oh, I'll sort you out later. Yeah. Or, oh, I haven't got it right now. Can I PayPal it? <laughs> and it's like, oh, God. Little things, it's, little things yeah. like that. You know. Or like when you're just um, crossing the bridge um, when you had to pay the toll to get into Wales and then that toll wasn't included in the pay package. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're not bitter about that at all, are we, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> and then was it a few weeks later they scrapped the toll or something like that? Yeah, something like that. If only the show had got pushed back, we might have been all yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Independent wrestling promotions think or try to be WWE. Yeah, yeah. You get too many wannabe Vince McMahons these days. There was one recently that was like, again, if you're into the UK wrestling scene, you'll hear You'll know about it, yeah. He tried to do this big thing. Like, I was involved in it. He hired me to do his music for all of his I was asked to be a wrestler on it, so. Yeah, you know, he was trying to be Vince McMahon and shit hit the fan and we all know what happened there. But that's what people need to realize. You are not going to be Vince McMahon. There's only one Vince McMahon. You could love him, you could hate him. He's Vince McMahon. You're never mm-hmm. going to be him. Yeah. So I don't understand why do so many people want to be the next Vince McMahon or the next Triple H or the next yeah. Shawn Michaels, whatever. I don't want to be the next so and so. I want to be the first me. Mm. That's the way you should look at it. Yeah. You mind. could take inspiration from things. It's like anything. Yeah. Like if you're an actor, like instead of saying you want to be the next Tom Hardy or the next Johnny Depp or like yeah. you say um, directors, I want to be the next Spielberg or. I don't know, Tim Burton, or I'm just pulling names out, but yeah. be the first you. Exactly, yeah. You can be the person that the next generation want to say, I want to be the next Scott Christie or the next Chris Bevan or whatever, you know. There is a happy medium in professionalism mm. in wrestling, I find, and there's either not enough of it or they're trying too hard and then it goes kaput. Yeah. And the whole carny unprofessionalism thing, as I said, thankfully... It's slowly starting to burn out now, mm. but it's not happening fast enough. I think I think no. it needs to go way faster. Of course, especially with like all these promotions that um, don't look like they're going to be opening up, even like honest promotions and stuff like that. New promotions that were scheduled to start up, but unfortunately yeah. were postponed because of COVID. But again, yeah. if you are trying to set up, not even just wrestling, this applies to anything in entertainment. Like if you want to set up a production company, a theater company, if you want to start a band or anything like that, treat it with the utmost professionalism and treat people with respect. Don't try and don't be a carny in any of these um, industries yeah. is what Absolutely. I think we should get, get across. Carny promotions, promoter, down <laughs> the toilet, not the trap door, down the toilet because it stinks oh, down there and that's where they belong. Maybe that should, should be the title of this episode. Don't be a carny. Don't be a carny, yes. Chris Bevan, um, freelance editor, musician, pro wrestler. Top tip, don't be a carny. (laughs) Don't be a carny. Don't be a carny. That brings us to the end of episode 10 of the Reject or Recall podcast. Chris, it has been absolutely lovely chatting to you. Just great catching up and just being able to talk about so many different things that we're passionate about, bud. Yeah, it's been great. And I... Didn't realize until you said that it's the 10th episode, and I'm very honored to have been in the 10th. <laughs> People, this is something special for me because, like, me and Chris have worked together both as wrestlers, and I consider him a really good friend. So, honestly, he's one to look out for. By the way, his yeah, wrestling yeah. merch is very nice if you want a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> 
talking about uh, merch and all these other links, Chris, um, before we finish off, could you please give us a little insight of where our lovely audience can find you on social media, any projects you are associated with, of course, like you mentioned, Offworld. This is your time to plug, man. So anything you want to plug, here's your promo. <laughs> Strap yourselves in because it's going to be a long one. I've got a lot. Um, <laughs> right, we're on episode like... 15 now, so... It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still going. Um, me personally, if you want to see my anything to do with my production company, you can find it on CB Media. If you want to search anything I've done as a wrestler, you can see me on Instagram, Bevan Bastard Son underscore PW. My Twitter is at Bevan Bastard Son. And uh, Offworld, you can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Offworldfilm. And uh, everything to do with Offworld is on there. And I will leave all the links on our social media pages at Reject or Recall. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let you just type in Reject or Recall. It'll come up. And it's just a painted version of me by Fionn Drakely. Thank you for that. Lovely. And also, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Like I sent a submission for Google Podcasts and I never got a confirmation email. So I didn't know until Chris told me. It only took me till episode 10 to find out people. <laughs> well, I was kind of, when I was listening to Jamie Brown's episode, I was like, oh, I forgot he was on. I'll, I'll go and give it a listen. Because I listen to podcasts through Google Podcasts because I've got an Android. So that's where I go. Yeah. Um, I don't really get on with Spotify. I find the interface a bit weird. Yeah. So I just go to Google Podcasts. That's where I listen to all of my podcasts. And I thought, I wonder if it's on here. And I had a search and there it was. So you didn't no. even know it was on Google. I didn't even know. I am such a carny. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the rule? Don't be a carny. Again, this has been Chris Bevan. Absolutely lovely chatting to you, buddy. And remember, guys, when in doubt, just bump. <laughs> little take wrestling reference wait take a bump <laughs> thanks for coming on Chris it's been great talking to you thank you very much for having me